spin on the flash as part of the Team Justice team this holiday season. Dow futures are up 306. This is CBS News. These days, better nutrition and stronger immunity are essential. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more, so we can all be at our very best. Only Eggland's Best. With no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, banking with Capital One is like the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. And with our top-rated app, you can bank anytime, anywhere. Making Capital One an even easier decision. Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? New consumer accounts only. Approval required. Term supply. Capital One and a member FDIC. During cough and cold season, Walgreens knows noses. Like those leaky faucet noses. You know who you are. Those noses that tickle and twitch. So cute. And in as little as 30 minutes, Walgreens makes it easy to pick up your cough and cold must-haves. 30-minute pickup. Now that's faster than trying to find a clean sleeve. This week, select Mucinex products, now only $14.99 each. Walgreens. Uses directed restrictions apply to 30-minute pickup. Filed through November 28th with my Walgreens. See walgreens.com slash pickup for details. There's someone lurking at the new Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. A fiberglass shark made from the Jaws mold has found a home at the new Los Angeles venue. Known as Bruce, it's more than 1,200 pounds and 25 feet long. The 45-year-old shark underwent a seven-month facelift. It's a replica of the original, but is still expected to be a major attraction at the museum, which opens to the public on April 30th of next year. Lisa Mateo, CBS News. The shark, by the way, named Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Move over, Bill Gates. According to the Bloomberg Index, Elon Musk is now the second richest person in the world with a $128 billion net worth. That puts him right behind Jeff Bezos, who has an estimated $182 billion. Gates would have retained his number two spot on the list if he hadn't given as much away to philanthropy. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Are you experiencing financial hardship and finding yourself owing the IRS back taxes? The professionals at Allied Tax Relief can relieve you from IRS collections, most importantly negotiating your tax debt, especially during these times of need. Allied Tax Relief is able to negotiate various fresh start programs to relieve you of IRS tax debt. Call Allied Tax Relief now, 800-524-3121 for a free consultation. This call could save you thousands. Call now at 800-524-3121. That's 800-524-3121. At CBS News, our mission is to provide you with the facts you need to stay safe and informed. CBS This Morning and the CBS Evening News continue to deliver the latest news and developments on the COVID-19 outbreak. You can watch our free streaming service, CBSN, 24-7 at our website or on your phone using the CBS News app. Right now, we know you have a lot of questions and are looking for answers. And we want you to know CBS News is here to help you make sense of it all. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. 
It's a calling that's kept us free. It's a place to belong. What's the calling? Being a member of the Air Force Reserve. It's doing a job that makes a difference. Serving your community and your country. It's part-time service where the impact is full-time. What's your calling? Air Force Reserve. To find out about local job opportunities with the Air Force Reserve at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or Youngstown Air Reserve Station, call 800-257-1212 or go to AFreserve.com. Sponsored by the Air Force Reserve and aired in cooperation with the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Avelino has the true taste of your grandmother's old water Italian cooking in every dish they prepare. Coming Monday through Wednesday from 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Try to breakfast with a double shot latte for only $2.75. You're not in for breakfast? Come in for the $7 lunch special. You won't regret it. Avelino even accommodates all food allergies and has vegan and gluten-free options. Taste buds know. Now take them for what they really want. Take them with Avelino. Like Avelino on Facebook for the hours and specials. Now that's a spicy meatball. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WBTH Evans. Too bad out there, and we've got a special edition for you. We're going to talk with the president of Hawking College. Thirty-four degrees out there uh, on Columbus Road, and we're headed up to uh, what is it today? Forty-eight. Okay, so that's that's going to be an improvement. Yeah, Betty Young is going to be our guest today. Let me get all our buttons just right, and uh, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Betty. Listen, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's been a while since we've done this, but uh, golly, you know, first off, let me just tell you, I want to congratulate you on recently being named by the Association of Community College Trustees as one of the top five presidents in the nation. How about that? Well, thank you, Dave. I'm really humbled by that recognition. But it's really all the work of the people around me that make it possible for me to look good. So I appreciate everybody that, that helps me get there. Yeah, but if you think back, you know, and, and we'll deal with this a little bit, just softly anyway. You know, it's not been an easy road. And um, <laughs> I remember, what, maybe less than a year after you had that post, there was even a what would you call it, some sort of um, lack of trust uh, vote taken, remember? I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you do. And uh, But to, to now be in this position, it really speaks volumes, you know? Well, look, the college was in a position where it really needed to do a major turnaround. Um, that's never easy. 
Um, I'm happy that I was able to be here. You know, my roots are deep here in southern Ohio. I I grew up 50 miles from here, up a holler. And, uh, you know, it was the two-year college system of Ohio that made it possible for me to sit in this chair today. So I'm... um, I'm glad that, you know, we were able to do the turnaround, and, yeah, you move a lot of people's cheese, and, of course, it's hard. It's hard. Yes. But came through it, and we're in a great place today, and I'm so thankful and happy that we have what we have going on. Well, so are we. Listen, let's, uh, let's do some history stuff. Um, refresh my memory. When was Hawking College founded? 1968. We have celebrated our 50th anniversary. We've been celebrating that for two years. Uh, in May, we graduated our 50th year of students. Now, there's a couple names, and my dad knew them well, and even I did, but I'm having trouble recalling them. The first president was whom? Uh, Palmer, right? N- um, well, I don't think so. That's not the name I'm thinking of. He was uh, he was the head of Tri County. It's either Palmer or Parker. I don't remember the exact name. Yeah. Oh, shoot. It's before my time here. That's for sure. Sure. Well, we're both talking. Um, it, it was something like that, but it wasn't Palmer. That one I would have remembered. But um, anyway, in uh, Tom Thomas, I think was his first name, and he was there for many years. And then there was a, there was another one in between. I'm sure some of your listeners can correct both well, of us. John it. Light. John Light. Yes. Yeah. John Light there then for 42 years. That's right. Um, I didn't think it was Palmer, <laughs> but anyway. Um, now, the goal back then. Uh, and maybe you don't know the answer to this stuff, but what do you think their goals were when they first envisioned Hawking Technical College? So um, the governor, uh, Governor Rhodes, had a real vision for higher education in Ohio, and I do know this history very well. Um, His goal was for everybody to have access to higher education within 50 miles of their home. He had the same vision for airports, which is why you see a lot of these little county airports, for example, up in Morgan County and other places. Um, It was really the state that promoted that concept of of having access out in rural areas of the state. And so because of that, Hawking Technical College was able to, to gain the kind of funding needed to be able to start a college here. And uh, uh, absolutely, it was geared toward technical education, so preparing people for jobs in the region, and it remains that today. Um, You know, we are very diversified today, and certainly the jobs are very different than they were 50 years ago in many cases, most cases, Um, and we've had to emerge and develop and continue to evolve throughout that process, Um, but still very much our roots are in that technical education. Now, um, they did drop the word technical along the way because um, for many, they might go to uh, Hawking College for their first two years and then on to another university for their uh, third and fourth years to receive um, a degree, right? Yeah, absolutely. So higher education continues to evolve at all levels. 
So many um, former colleges are now universities, um, adding advanced degrees to their uh, mission and scope. And uh, the same is true of technical colleges throughout Ohio. Today we uh, all offer the uh, first two years or the transfer modules uh, for the bachelor's degree. And in some cases, we're beginning to start to offer uh, a few applied baccalaureate degrees within the two-year college market. Now, think, um, think back to, or, or, well, you weren't here, of course, but you, you, you have knowledge about the history and, and the, the vision as it was originally. What, what do you think their goals were then? Well, actually, John Light was one of my teachers when I was in my master's degree program at Ohio University. Okay. I had the opportunity to come over here to the campus of Hawking College to take those classes. He actually had us come to this campus so we could have that experience of being on a two-year college campus as graduate students. And so he talked a lot about those early days and the vision that they had for building a college here. And, uh, and really around preparing a workforce. But John Light really realized early on that this college would, to have the kind of impact and to grow in a way that he really you know, envisioned uh, developing a, a college that could contribute to the economy, to the local economy, mm-hmm. and not only serve just our local students, but serve a much broader population with the very special kind of programs that we have here, for example, in natural resources, culinary, um, that we would have to have dorms, and we would have to have accommodations for students, and we would have to have a student life program. And really, he saw a vision, and I think it came to life, of a college that, even though we're a two-year public college, has the feel and the look much more of a private liberal arts college. You know, a small college of 3,000 students. Um, with a full student life program, dorms, and and all the amenities. So a student who may not want to spend the money or spend the time or just doesn't have the interest in what a four-year institution offers can have that same experience right here in southern Ohio in a two-year institution at Hawking College. And that has come to fruition. Now, you, you make me want to ask. Now, there are other former tech schools or two-year institutions about the state. Um, have, they, have they, too, taken on that vision eventually, or, or do most of them remain a place to come in, take your classes, and leave? Yes, yeah, so we are the only residential two-year college within the state. No As kidding. a matter of fact, if you look at our border states, uh, the same is true for our border states. So uh, we are very unique. Definitely Hawking College is a different kind of place to go to college. Now, uh, consequently, I also note that, um, you know, the, the international student factor is um, unique to your campus, right? Yes, again, uh, another way that we're different. And this was a, another part of John Light's original vision is for us to work with uh, emerging nations, um, and provide opportunities for students to come here. So uh, one of those partnerships that continues to exist today is in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and uh, one that we have recently developed in the Bahamas. So these are just 
you know, a couple of examples of uh, the reach of Hawking College. As a matter of fact, you can't really travel in Jamaica to any of the resorts and ask uh, uh, the staff if there's a Hawking alumni there and not get somebody to come out to your table. How about that? That's kind of neat. It is. Well, let's, let's talk about, uh, again, history, and then we'll talk about today. Um, when you think back, what were some of the majors, I'm going to use that term, the majors that um, really caused Hawking to stand out as being unique and ahead of its time and all that sort of thing? And some of them, you know, may that may have changed over the years where something that was important then now isn't or less so anyway, and new ones have come along. So first of all, in the past... What, what were some of the notables? Well, I think definitely you can't talk about Hawking College without talking about natural resources. And within natural resources, there are, you know, a, a variety of options for students. So students who want to be, uh, work in the national park system or work in state parks have the opportunity to learn right here in our own live learning lab at Lake Snowden with our campground and our water park and our trails and uh, hiking trails and our horse trails there. So they can, you know, get a real experience. So wildlife management is another area in, in our, of course, we have the equine program. Um, we have new certifications for wetlands management and uh, forestry, forestry management. You know, at one point in time, Hawking College had, you know, from growing trees to harvesting trees, to processing trees, to fine woodworking and construction. And over the years, some of that waned. And so um, I'm really happy to, to let you know that, that we, once again, have been able to implement that full spectrum of programming in forestry. So you can do the forest management, um, learn how to cut trees and, and grade trees and do all the things that goes to go with that market. You can work in the sawmill industry. We have a new grant-funded uh, sawmill that's being uh, put in place as we speak. You can work on the finishing side. So we have a, again, grant-funded program in fine woodworking that we just launched. Um, so our first students are coming in for that. And then, of course, the, the traditional construction program. Right. So, that's something we've all, we've been known for historically, and I'm real happy that we have that full cadre again here. I think our equine program is very unique for a two-year college, um, and we have a new program manager, um, Dr. Uh, Powell, that's joining us uh, in, in uh, January. We're really excited about her. She spent some time with Ohio State in the equine uh, program, and so she's going to bring a whole breath of fresh air to that program. We're excited about that. We do horseshoeing here, and that's been a long-standing tradition at Hawking College. Again, very unique to this, mm -hmm. this college. Uh, Culinary and healthcare would be two other areas, Dave, that uh, the college was known for early on and continues to be known for today, including our most recent addition of the dental hygiene program at our Perry County campus. Now, I have forgotten you to have branch campuses, don't you? Yes, so Perry Campus is a branch campus. 
And then we have a campus at Logan. And the Logan campus has our medical laboratory technician program, which is, again, a new program the last few years. Huh. Um, these are the people who draw your blood and then do the testing and so forth in the lab work. Right. Um, High-end lab program. We have uh, our welding program at the Logan campus, and we ha also have our agroecology program. So they're uh, running the farm there at Logan. And this year we have a research uh, grant, and we'll be um, doing things with hemp, growing hemp for the first time there as part of a research project. Well, let's, um, let's do some statistics. How many students does Hawking College enjoy today? Just a little over 3,000. 3K. Now, um, you know, some schools like to boast about faculty to student ratios. Um, it, it, do you know that factor? Is it, is it, um, you know, I don't know that number off the top of my head, Dave. That's all right. I can tell you, you know, one of, the, one of the benefits of a smaller college like Hawking College is that you are not in a classroom with 300 other people. As a matter of fact, you're, you're probably not sitting listening to somebody very much in a classroom at all because the way we teach here is so hands-on that our students are out and about and doing. They're learning by doing. And that's a way that, that Hawking College is so different um, from a traditional, you know, university-type education where you're in a lecture hall, you listen, then you get tested, and then you get a grade. Mm -hmm. Here, you know, I can sit at my office here and look out on the uh, campus in front of me on any given day, and I see people on horseback. I see students who are walking the grounds, who are studying the trees for their dendro class or uh, the birds for their ornithology class. I can watch them doing uh, GIS kind of uh, runs on campus. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to watch all of that happening right here, you know, on the grounds of Hawking College. So they're not sitting in a classroom hearing about how it's done, but they're out there doing it. As a matter of fact, it's always interesting. We have students who will transfer on to complete bachelor's degrees, and one of the things they always tell us is it's always a letdown because here... They're so active doing things, and then they transfer to a university, and, of course, it's a very traditional setting usually. The, um, the facilities. Uh, when I visit your campus, I'm in awe uh, of the different facilities that you folks have available. And I, I, I haven't visited very many other um, to your colleges in the state, but I'm, I'm guessing that what you have is unique. Is that true? Well, again, Dave, every way that you look at Hawking College is different. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the number of uh, facilities we have, and, and we've been able to expand that and improve our facilities over the last few years, um, is really remarkable and provides... Um, a world-class learning environment for the students. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned like the, um, I can't remember the term you used, but it, it's a medical uh, lab situation up on the Logan branch. Uh, yeah, our medical lab technician program. 
you know, the, the, the equipment that's required for that is highly specialized. And, um, you know, it's just remarkable that you have all of these offerings. So, um, you know, another example of that is um, our cannabis testing lab. So we are a state-licensed lab for testing cannabis, and we are, have been doing that now for a while. But we also, one of our fastest-growing programs on campus is the Cannabis Lab Technician. It is really an analytical chemistry program. Um, you know, it's always a little bit of a surprise, I think, for people when they start investigating what that program really is about to find out that it is a high-end um, analytical chemistry program. And the students who finish that can transfer on in a chemistry program at a university, potentially even going on and doing research in medical or some other area because it's a great track for that. Or they can, may choose to go to work in the industry either in a testing capacity or in some other capacity because the growers, the producers, and everything for uh, medical cannabis in Ohio all need people who are trained in this area. So this has been a huge um, program for us, a growth program and success. And these students are, are snapping up jobs right away. So starting this fall, we have another cannabis testing lab um, being put in for students, a practice lab, uh, because obviously, you know, they can't be in the, the licensed lab all the time. And we'll be able to do testing on the hemp, which we will start to grow at uh, the Logan campus under the grant research grant this fall. And they also will be able to do uh, testing on soils. So soil testing is a really important component to agriculture for our region. It's an important component to the hemp industry and to the cannabis industry. And so we're excited about what that, pro that's going to, that lab is going to bring about for us. And again, another grant-funded project. Many of the uh, hemp programs involve uh, indoor growing facilities. Um, with multi-stages of, of as the plant grows. Um, is that what, what you're working on, or are you working on outdoor or both? So we are working on an outdoor program. Matter of fact, we have a fence installed. I think it's about, I don't know, 14 feet high. I bet, yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the property uh, so that, you know, our deer don't get in or, or any other deer. Um, or humans. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, we'll be gr growing external, but also keep in mind that the hemp plant is different from the cannabis plant, the, the cannabis marijuana, uh, can medical cannabis plant, in that the THC level to be produced is uh, greatly modified. So it yeah. cannot be above 3%. And um, so the, the genetics of the hemp plant are really important, and that's part of the research work that we're doing. And then the ways that you grow it and what it, the, the, the cannabis plant and the hemp plant pick up everything from the soil and, and absorb it into the plant. And so what's in the soil and the soil quality and all of that is so critical to what the product is going to actually be. Hemp that's produced that has a greater than 3% uh, THC level must all be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this is all under uh, regulation. So, you know, it, it's really the kind of work we're doing here is really groundbreaking and really important work. Sure. And, folks, you know, uh, 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 THC 
<clears throat> just to explain, is what makes people high, so to speak. Yes. Uh, yes. It, the CBD and the other ingredients are, have tremendous health qu qualities. Yes, absolutely, without the high that's associated yeah. with THC. Sure. So um, the hemp will be used for um, CBD oils and uh, various things done with CBD. But also, I don't want to discount the rest of the plant. So the plant will be used, um, there's ways to shred the plant, very similar to things that you do with bamboo, mm -hmm. where you um, untwist the fibers and then are able to use it in wood flooring, um, and, and so many different paper products, so many other products, and it's a renewable resource. And you can grow it new uh, in every 120 days, so at least two crops per year here in Ohio. So this can be an Ohio crop. And those crops then uh, could take the place of a lot of the tree resources that we've had to use in the past for products like paper and so forth. So, you know, it's exciting for us because we're not only interested in um, preparing people for jobs, but we're also interested in growing the economy of southeastern Ohio. And what kind of things can we do here in southeastern Ohio to create new jobs, new industries? And so the, the hemp industry and the ag industry that we're working with is one such way. Another um, along those same lines is the fish program. So we have a fish management program that we run out at Lake Snowden uh, with a fish hatchery. We're doing some expansion to the fish hatchery this year. We're really excited about that work. But they're raising um, tilapia, for example. And they're um, uh, shipping tilapia all over the country. We're working with a local farmer who is beginning to produce tilapia on his own to expand his uh, current farm operation into a new sector. The fish industry, the seafood industry, is grossly underproduced in the United States for the demand. And so um, there's tremendous opportunity. And again, this is, can all be done here in southeastern Ohio. We just redid our nature center here on campus. So the former child care building that some people may remember, it's located over next to Robbins Crossing as you enter the campus. Yes. That building has been reconstructed, and it is our new nature center. There's a 600-gallon tank there. There's also an aquaponics tank that uh, have the tilapia in it. The 600-gallon tank have all local fish. Uh, so people will be able to start coming in in the spring and be able to see all this um, kind of local resources uh, up close and personal in our nature center. Folks, um, in case you missed early on, our guest today is Dr. Betty Young. Betty is the president of Hawking College. She's been on that post to just shy of seven years, I think. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay. And, um, of course, with uh, COVID and everything, uh, she's sitting in her office up in Nelsonville, and we're here in the studios on Columbus Road. Otherwise, we'd like to see each other. <laughs> Betty, yes. let's, um, let's talk a little bit about COVID. Your campus, um, of course, you have dormitories. You have classrooms. Uh, you are... Um, basically no different from Ohio University in the sense of, of um, facilities. Um, 
you do a little more out in the field work, but that's that's um, how have you folks approached this whole pandemic? Well, it's certainly thrown everybody a curveball, hasn't it, Dave? And um, you and I are a little gray around the edges, and so you know, for us to have lived a lifetime and not have to have really dealt with something like this um, has been a blessing. Our young people are are coming into an era where this probably won't be the only time that they'll have to deal with a pandemic of this nature. Mm-hmm. But um, we've done all kinds of things. We created a plan um, starting uh, back in March. Of course, we went remote for the remainder of the spring semester. Then in the summer, we started bringing students back to do the hands-on portion of what we do because that's what they come here for. And so they were able to complete and uh, those spring courses that way and uh, we graduated our spring graduates uh, then in August. So we got people through and kept them on track, and that was our, no- our second priority. Our number one priority was the safety and health of everybody in our community. Certainly. The number two priority was to get students, uh, keep students on track and get them through to graduation. And the number three was to keep the college in operation. So um, coming back for fall, we developed a 92-page campus reopening plan We, you know, I couldn't be more proud of our students and our faculty and our staff here for what they have done in order to return and keep the campus safe, because we have. Um, We spent $250,000 on air ionizers, all of our dorm rooms, all of our buildings, everything that we, uh, every place we have students and faculty and staff. Did I hear somewhere the figure you bought 70 of these units? 700. 700? Yeah, Holy the governor tweeted that the other day. Oh, cow. Okay, and keep going. So they kill the viruses at 95% or better within 60 minutes or less. The data is a little, you know, it's within those ranges. But we think that has been a tremendous help on our campus. There's no way of knowing because it's not an isolated study where we just look at that. Uh, There's so many other things that we've done. We modified dorm life, so there are curfews. We don't allow visitors in the dorms. There are daily check-ins for everybody on campus. If you have um, a fever or if you have any symptoms at all, you're asked not to come to the campus or or to um, check in, but to stay where you are. Report it through our reporting mechanism. Somebody calls you within a very short period of time walks through with you everything that's going on, um, and then advises you as to whether or not to return to campus, to stay at home for some period of time, what that period of time is, and then you have to be cleared to come back to campus. Mm-hmm. So we hired like 25 people to do these check-ins, so they're stationed throughout the campus. When you get checked in in the morning, your temperature is taken, you ask a series of questions, if you pass it all, then you get an, a wristband for the day, and it's they're color-coded by day. So you have to do this every day that you come to campus. Hmm. So when a student checks in, they're expected to have their ID visible because we've limited any visitors to campus. We have the wristband that they receive and then their mask. So that's sort of a three, you know, three checkoffs. Are you ready to go? And then off they go for the day. We have laid out the classrooms with social distancing. Our classes are Monday and Thursday, or Tuesday and Friday, for the most part. 
Wednesday is a day in which students do a lot of catch-up work. Um, they get tutoring, all those other kinds of things that need to happen. So some students who are in class on Monday might be remote then on Thursday, and the other group that was remote on Monday would be in the classroom on Thursday. Right. So that gives everybody the opportunity um, to social distance, but still to have the live experience that the students are craving. I can't say that enough. Um, we made the decision to act in what we felt was the best interest of our students and their immediate needs. They learn by doing. That's one of the reasons they choose us. And so to ask them to do everything remote is such a stretch um, and so hard. It's hard for everybody. Yeah. And so we're trying to minimize that and to maximize the opportunity to still have that hands-on learning. We you put know, plexiglass you know, shields. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We put plexiglass shields around many of the employees so that, ha that have direct contact with students like that. In the bathrooms, we went back to paper towels to do away with the air uh, blowing around. Staggered class times. Uh, we do a COVID orientation before students came to campus. They had to sign a pledge, agreeing to live under these very different times. Uh, we've limited events. Our dining services have changed. We modified the calendar. Our first week was completely remote. The students are leaving here for Thanksgiving. They will be remote the remainder of the semester. So the list is just long, and I, the point I want to make here is there's not one individual thing, but a combination of all of these things that has maintained our campus and it's a safe place for people to be and to learn. Of course. So um, <clears throat> I have had um, friends, I've had employees, I've had whatever who have... Um, maybe taken a couple years at Hawking and then transferred to Ohio University. Um, some have said uh, all their courses um, passed, or what am I trying to say, the credits transferred, that's the word. Yes. And I've had another one that said, eh, that didn't work out very well. Um, it could be their personal, um, maybe they just weren't a good student. But um, the general rule of thumb, uh, if you take a course at Hawking, is it going to count when you, if you wish to continue on with a bachelor's degree? So the good news is, Dave, that the state of Ohio created a transfer curriculum that is honored by all of the schools within the state university system. So that's all of our two-year schools and our four-year schools that are state schools. So Ohio University is a state school, Hawking College is a state school, and so if you take those transfer courses, so all your gen eds, for example, they will transfer seamlessly without any issues into the program and count toward the degree completion. Okay. You take technical courses. It depends on the specific articulation agreement with the specific school. So Ohio University, for example, in um, their computer area, may or may not take certain courses from the uh, cybersecurity program here, although many of those students don't transfer because there's so many cybersecurity jobs available at the two-year level mm -hmm. that we're so those students go straight into the workplace. But if they choose to transfer, then uh, there's an articulation agreement and, and you look at those specific 
uh, types of things and decide what you want to do to transfer. You know, Dave, when I, um, when I started college, I was 28 years old, and that's been a long time ago now, but um, I took a couple classes at Washington Technical College over in Marietta to get ahead at work. I took them in accounting, and, uh, and I, I was doing well. I, I figured out I could do college work, so I wanted to earn that associate degree. And at that time, things didn't transfer as well. Mm-hmm. And so I took a few more courses at Washington Tech, but then I started driving from Marietta uh, regularly to Ohio University to earn that associate degree from Ohio University. So early on in my career in higher education, I was involved in, in creating that transfer um, guarantee uh, around the state of Ohio. And so I'm really proud of that work that, that we now have that in place. Because I'm going to tell you, it's a lot less expensive and a lot more doable for a lot of people to be able to go to that local two-year college and then be able to transfer if they choose to do that. But also, I knew I didn't have to transfer. You know, that accounting and so forth that I was getting, that led me to better jobs and and better opportunities if I couldn't go on or, you know, my life wasn't going to give me the opportunity to go on then I was well positioned to work and, and make a great living for my daughter and for myself, and that was my motivation. Um, I was fortunate enough that I was able to continue and go on and earn a lot more degrees after that, but, um, but the, the good point was that that two-year degree gave me the opportunity to go to work. Right. Let's, let's try something else here. Um, cost. Well, no, no, let's do a different thing first. Um, here at Ohio University, um, f- freshmen and sophomores are uh, asked to live in a dormitory. Juniors and seniors and grad students are asked to live in the community. Um, I know you have dormitories, which is a bit unusual for a, a, um, a you, you know, a Hawking College or an institution such as yours, but they're really nice. Anyway... Um, but you, too, have quite a few students living in the Nelsonville or even Athens area, right? We do, yes. And so the cost factor, the cost for education, the cost for um, room and board, I guess, uh, all of those sort of things, compare it to what you think it is at Ohio University. So... Uh Tim had a one-sheeter for me to look at yesterday. We're in that $5,000 range compared to that $21,000 range okay. at Ohio University or that $36,000 range at Marietta College. Uh, so it's significantly less. Here's the big difference, though. That's talking about tuition and fees for a year. Mm-hmm. What we've done at Hawking is so unique. Again, just a different way of approaching this. When I went to college, I remember, I, you know, I, I nobody in my family had gone to college, so I didn't know how to do this. So I go, and I, they give me the bill, and I pay the bill, and I think I'm done. Oh, no, I'm not done. I have to go over here to the bookstore. Now I have to buy all these books and these supplies and this equipment that I need for my class and this calculator and whatever else. And I hadn't, I, you know, it was almost as much as my tuition. Mm-hmm. So I, as a single parent trying to go to school, I was, first of all, shocked. And second of all, you know, trying to 
manage that, right? We have created, starting this year, what we call all-inclusive pricing. So when you're a student and you come to us, every semester your costs are going to look a little different, but we're going to give it to you up front. We're going to hand it to you up front. And even better than that, we're going to guarantee that price for the two years it takes you to complete your degree. As long as you stay here, you stay on track, you're going to be under that price. And so you know from day one what the total cost is going to be, books, equipment, fees, anything at all that you have to pay. I'll give you a good example. If you want to be a firefighter, mm -hmm. one of the fees that you had to pay prior to this was $800 for it's the air pack and the equipment to go in and out of burning buildings, right? The, the, unit, the safety uniform stuff. Yeah. Right, exactly. So in the past, you know, you would have come in, paid your tuition and fees, and then you would have gone off and had to buy that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a surprise to people, right? And we don't want to surprise anybody. So we've gone to this all-inclusive pricing model. Think about it when you travel, you know, and you go to a resort, it's all-inclusive. You can enjoy the resort and not worry about what's being added to your credit card, right? Same yeah. thing here at Hawking College. You can come to the college. We tell you up front what the cost is. We help you find the financing to be able to do that. So your Pell Grants, scholarships, we do a work scholarship up to $1,000 a semester here so you can work on the campus and have that go toward your, toward your tuition and fees. So we get you fully funded and then you know that everything is paid for and it's not like, well, next week you need a set of knives for the culinary program or you need a uniform for this program. So it's if you, there's none of that that happens, and that can be so frustrating for students um, because, you know, they think they got it covered, and then all of a sudden they find out they don't. But here at Hawking, you'll know up front it's all covered. I remember when we first announced this, Mother said to me, so you mean once I pay this, she's not going to call me and ask me for more money? And I said, well, I didn't say that because she's going to want pizza money, money <laughs> for the movies, and some other things, but yeah. she's not going to need it for college. Let's, um, let's go a different direction. We've covered a number of good topics here. But, um, what, you know, a, a, I hate to use the term, but a technical school, Hawking College, uh, you have to be thinking ahead about what's the newest stuff coming out that you folks can help people learn. And... You know, you can't just keep teaching the same old stuff over and over. Um, now, uh, what are some of the things that you folks are thinking about today and that, that either have just been implemented or you're, you're exploring the possibilities of implementing? So I went to the Columbus Business Roundtable meeting a year and a half ago. And the primary thing that I came back with from that meeting was this outcry from Nationwide Insurance, AEP, other major employers, right, was the need for data analytics. Okay. So we came back and we started evaluating what a two-year associate degree in data analytics would look like. And because there was not one that we could find, we knew we would be cutting edge on this. And so we put that program together. We just received approval last week from the Ohio Department of Higher Education 
uh, so that we can offer it this fall um, a program, a two-year associate degree in data analytics. So there's a good example of the kind of thing that you're talking about. Another good example is um, we have expanded and put a workforce center in Lancaster, Ohio. Uh, the uh, county commissioners and the city people from Lancaster, economic development people, came to us about uh, two years ago and said, you know, we have a real need for this type of educational programming in Lancaster. Would you consider coming here and doing that? And we, uh, they provided facilities for us, and we brought the college there to do that. Um, we received a little bit of funding from the state to be able to open that facility. And uh, we worked with a company out of Canada, uh, Magna, uh, that makes car seats. And we, um, my dean of workforce and I went up to Canada. We visited with the people at the plant, uh, their development people and their plant manager, figured out what they needed. Uh, they chose us to be a training partner for them. And they built a facility or in the process of finishing that in Lancaster where they're building car seats there now. Those are not the, for babies, but car seats that go in your car. Yes. Um, so part of that was robotics. So we um, have put in a, a high-level robotics lab both here on the main campus and at the Lancaster Workforce Center. And FANUC is um, one of the robotics companies that uh, we're working with. We are doing robotics in terms of welding, uh, assembly. Um, it's, it's way over my head, not my field of study, but I can tell you uh, when you go into these labs, it's just amazing to watch uh, what happens with these robots. That's, um, there's a, um, I think, um, Someone on your staff up there sent me a note or two, and there were two expressions, I guess, that I'm not sure I understand, but I'll bet you know all about them. Short-term training and certificates. Yes. So what, what, what are we getting at here? So the governor's Office for Workforce and Innovation was created to focus on in-demand and high-quality jobs. So um, it's headed by the Lieutenant Governor, John Husted. Mm -hmm. um, and it provides um, very specific uh, stackable credentials um, and flexible training in advanced manufacturing, HVAC, automotive, information technology. So these are, you can come and, and do a short-term certificate that will enhance your ability to go to work. But it's not a, like, one and done. Then you can continue to build on that and build into an associate degree and go beyond that. But meantime, you're able to, to work and start earning, you know, the kind of wages that are livable because these are, these Certificates are technical certificates in areas that are in high demand. So someone could be an auto mechanic at one of our local dealerships. And uh, also, while he's helping repair cars, uh, become particularly knowledgeable in this aspect of the car and then receive a certificate to that effect? Yes, exactly. So a great example of that is 
Um, I don't know how new your car is, um, but <laughs> all brand new cars, yeah. they there's a sensor on every bumper, right? Yeah. There's a sensor in the back that tells you if you're getting too close to something. Oh, yes. That's a okay. through that you're getting too close to the window. I mean, there's a sensor everywhere. So that's a great example. You know, 15 years ago, there weren't any sensors on cars at all. So if you're a mechanic and, and you're doing automotive work on a regular basis, now you've got to learn that aspect or you're not going to be able to, to function on the automobiles that are coming into your shop today. Right, right. That's a great example of, um, of that kind of technology and that certification. HVAC is another new program at Hawking College. These are the people um, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, mm -hmm. uh, HVAC. Um, but that technology has changed so much, right? Um, you right. know, everything from geothermal to heat pumps to high-efficiency types of units and operations to air handlers to the ionizers that I mentioned earlier that we put in here on the campus. You know, those are all, that technology is all uh, emerging, and those certifications are necessary in order to, to you know, Keep yourself market marketable. Uh, I don't want to end on a um, an odd note, but um, I don't know. Eight months to a year after you took uh, this position, uh, the board of trustees had a vote of no confidence. Um, now years have passed. We're hearing about the success of the school. Um, you know, clearly the board must now, the board of trustees, that is, must be fully supportive of Betty Young. Um, that was a tough time, wasn't it? Well, let's be clear, Dave. The vote of no confidence was not from, not from the board of trustees or in the board of trustees. Who was it? Was it? From a, it was from a group of faculty oh. that, um... You know, we're obviously impacted by the significant changes that we made here on the campus that we had to make in order to be um, able to survive. Remember, we were at a $4.4 million deficit four months into the budget year. Nobody board, likes change, do they? The board was supportive of me from the beginning. Um, and as a matter of fact, in my original uh, contract with the board, um, I said the only way that I would be a candidate for the permanent position is if they invited me to do that because mm. I knew we had a lot of really hard, heavy lifting to do. They did invite me, and I think, you know, made a decision they didn't want to change horses in the middle of the race um, when we were turning the corner and making such great progress. It is a long time later. Um, it's time to say, you know, that's done. And where we are today should not be reflective of where we've been in the past. Right. We have another 50 years in front of us. We are doing robotics and, and cybersecurity and data analytics and fashion design and merchandising, and we're bringing so many new and exciting things to the campus, and we're giving work scholarships to students. We're helping them fund their education. Uh, we have foster youth programs now that help our young people. We have a new driver's ed program that starts in January, so our local kids will be able to come to the campus and do their driver's ed here. Our college students that don't have driver's license yet will be able to do that here on this campus. This campus is here to serve the people of our region and beyond our region by bringing those resources into our community. 
And that's where we're headed, and that's the vision we have. The rearview mirror teaches us lessons, but it is not where we're going. The, the front windshield is where we have to, to keep our focus today. Betty, it's always a pleasure talking to you. If I uh, spoke uh, wrong somewhere along the way, forgive me. I didn't mean to. But uh, listen, keep up the good work. Let's do this more regularly. And... Um, Go Hawking College. Hey, what about your football season? And now, see, do you have a basketball team or not? Oh, yeah, we have basketball, an equine team, an archery team, absolutely. So football is planning on a spring season. We did not have a fall season by NJCAA rules. So we'll see if that's going to materialize now or not. Same thing for basketball. You know, we're planning on a season. It'll be modified. There are a lot of modifications being made. Sure. Um, our archery team is more outdoors, so that's a little helpful with it. By the way, our hotel is scheduled to open in the spring with 40 rooms. Uh, our equine center is uh, scheduled to be completed. That's more than almost an acre under roof. It's scheduled to be completed here this spring. Um, you know, the, so there's a lot of other new things happening here on campus. Um, Keep, it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. And, and, but we're about out of time. <laughs> okay. Betty, thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, a pleasure to talk to her, as always. All right, folks, uh, we'll see you tomorrow, right? I think so. What time is it? Isn't something supposed to be playing up there? Scott? Yes, it is. Well... It's not. Nothing? Okay. I don't nope, know why. Well, let me just try this here first. We're doing a three-hour special on Thursday. Thanksgiving. Okay, well, it, uh, we should be in the middle of CBS News right now. is at the White House. Among the resources now available to the Biden team will be $6.3 million in congressionally appropriated funds, along with 175,000 square feet of federal office space, including secure facilities for sensitive intelligence briefings. Coronavirus infections are on the rise in 45 states now. Governors are worried the spread will spike as millions of Americans ignore warnings and travel for the Thanksgiving holiday. Corresponding Cammy McCormick. From North Carolina's governor. I have a stark warning for North Carolinians today. We are in danger. And Maryland's. There is widespread community transmission in every corner of our state. Maryland Governor Hogan is sending in more state troopers to enforce the COVID restrictions there. And Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman says there's been a lot of resistance. Our women inspectors have had the most harassment, and so we've had to send men with them. And then when they really, when they have to ask a business to close 